All right, welcome back to the No Really Everything's Fine podcast, the podcast for proposal managers by proposal managers. My name is Catherine Bennett, the co-founder of Proposal Industry Experts, and we have a really great show ahead for you today. I'm so excited to introduce the remainder of our crew, so let's go ahead and get started. Oh, and I do want to tell you, I'm so sorry, we are broadcasting today from the back of a closet where we are hiding from children with sticky hands. So just just so you know, that is, that's our broadcasting location today for the dumpster fire. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Nicole, and then we'll get started with our episode. Hello, everyone. This is Nicole Robinson, aka the RFP Queen, also the founder of the Proposal Managers Planner, a promotional uh, organizational tool designed with the proposal manager in mind. And I am a 16-year proposal manager professional, and I am currently the sales operations manager responsible for bid management for the entire organization for a cybersecurity firm based out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Welcome to the show. All right, Nora, go ahead. Sure. Uh, I am Nora Fox. I have been working in proposals for five years. Um, I'm APMP certified, Shipley trained. Um, I'm currently the senior RFP strategist working for uh, the 17th largest global employer in their healthcare vertical. Spectacular. And our special guest, Amanda, today. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about our topic that we'll be that we'll be diving into today? Yes, so a short little introduction about myself. I am the founder of Illuminate Marketing Collective. Uh, we support mid to large size firms with their proposal management support. And I am also a trainer and a speaker on proposal, all things related to proposals. So today, this is a, uh, a topic that is very close to my heart and hits home for me. And today I want to discuss the, the unique struggles that uh, me as a woman and also of, of being a black woman that I face in the proposal profession. And so there's, it's a lot to impact and I know that we don't have that much time today, but just to share my experience and uh, give a little background for the listeners. Um, I have been in uh, the proposal realm for about mm, eight years and um, it's been absolutely amazing. I can't think of doing anything else. This is where I want to be. Uh, but that's not without saying that I have had my struggles specifically relating to uh, race and my gender. And and so it it can get hard with, um, you know, trying to, to navigate all of that. And especially when being a, a mixed individual of being half black and half white, it's, I've always had these struggles about who I am as an individual. Um, you know, growing up, I was either too black or too white or too something. And so I have personally struggled with my identity and who I am. And so when you're in a meeting and you know you're you're told that you're too aggressive or that you know you need to um, take notice of your facial expressions because oh you you look like you have RBF um, you know that that 
is really impactful. And what people don't understand is I am a human. Uh, I am an individual. I have feelings. And, um, and also, I struggle. I struggle with who I am. And so with hearing all of those things, uh, it can be it can be really tough. And so I want to just dive into today that intersectionality between being a woman and a Black woman in the proposal profession. One, one question that I'd really like, Amanda, as I was hearing you talking about, about not only the kind of uh, really horrible advice that folks may have given you in meetings and things along these lines. The topic of authenticity often surfaces in our industry and is really a hot topic right now for, for like women in the workplace or marginalized groups in the workplace, right? And when we think about authenticity, it's it's generally very focused around a privileged group of people who can bring their whole self to work, right? Like I've got green hair. Um, I have a little bit of, of privilege in being able to be my tattooed, pierced up self and still be successful, right? Um, and authenticity means something very different for, for a lot of different groups. So could you speak about maybe how, like what, what that word might mean to you and maybe like uh, benefits or limitations that are surrounding that concept? Yeah, I am naturally, I always want to give 110%. And if I'm in a meeting and we're talking strategy on a proposal, I may ask like the hard questions. I want to dig dig down deep and get into it. Um, that may, you know, I, I research all you know, everything that I'm doing for that specific pursuit. But what I've seen is um, that comes across to some as being overly aggressive or, um, you know, demanding. And so I wish, though, I could come to a meeting and be as you said, my authentic self, which is no holds bar. I'm going to ask those hard questions. I am, um, you know, I'm going to speak up, right? I'm not going to um, just be quiet in a meeting. You're going to hear my voice. Um, and it's just, sometimes it can get so confusing, Catherine, because that's who I am. And then you'll hear, oh, well, you know, you're being, you're being, too loud or aggressive in the meeting. And then someone else might say, well, she didn't speak up in the meeting, so she's not adding value. And it's this complete like mind game where I'm just like, I don't know, like, what do you want me to be? Like, I've already had these struggles growing up. And here I am as a grown adult struggling to figure out who I should be or uh, what people want me to be, I should say too. Mm. Um, can I dive in here? Mm, yes, let's hear so, it, Nicole. <laughs> couple of things. Immediately, so I, I immediately relate. Immediately, I'm not mixed, um, not one-to-one. -one. So where my cultural differences happen, or um, racially speaking, is it's in my bloodline. So my great-grandmother is Scottish, um, but my parents are both dark-skinned um, Black people. So, and I'm Jamaican. So, and Canadian. So first generation, first generation Canadian born here. My entire history though, and bloodline is from Jamaica. So 
and already, like we want to talk about aggressive. There is no more aggressive culture probably on the planet than Jamaicans. Very, we I think we defined the word aggressive um, and direct. So being raised in that culture um, predisposed me to being that. Um, but I will say this, it never even occurred to me that uh, my skin tone or anything like that was a issue for anyone until I was maybe like 14, maybe no, uh, eight, maybe eight or nine years into my career. Like it never occurred to me that it was a thing until it became a thing. And then I was just like, hold up just a minute here. <laughs> and I have always brought an aspect of myself, my whole self to work. The role and the organization I'm in now and have been in for um, seven years is the most me that I have brought to work. And, um, and even that, Still, I have met with statements and things that people have said um, over the course of the years that I've been in the organization um, and where I've had to educate. So in one instance, and it was a friend and I had to just let her know. She just didn't know. Um, I just let her know. And the statement was talking about my personality. And she was like, you're loud. And I'm like, and me, uh, another friend of mine, um, and someone else, we were all kind of having this conversation and everyone just kind of, we all just kind of stiffened immediately at the statement. And she was like, what? And I'm like, please don't ever describe me that way again. I'm like, I know what it is that you're trying to say. And yes, there's a certain aspect of like straight timber of my voice. Hey, Wayne. <laughs> um, there's a certain timber of my voice. And my personality is is big, but I'm like, I need you to use that very large vocabulary of yours and say exactly what it is that you mean. Like, don't just say the word loud because you don't necessarily know that that connotation is a negative one when it is used to describe a Black woman. Um, and that is something that we, we carry that from the moment that we enter the school system. Um, we either, it's either being used to describe us or being used to describe someone who looks like us. And so therefore it's something you immediately take on as not a positive thing. Uh, and so it causes you to walk around through life and shrinking yourself. But I will say this also too, any place where you feel confused about who you need to show up as is not the right place or environment for you. That's not good soil. That will just fundamentally erode your mental state, your self-worth, um, and the, the value that you place on who you are as a person because we spend so much time at work. And so to, and just for our listeners, if you are a black person operating in any corporate space, you speak two languages automatically. And then all, and, and add to that a cultural difference. So for example, like I'm Jamaican, I speak Patois at work, um, and it usually freaks people out. They're like, oh my gosh, because I my I will switch my accent real quick. That's because I'm showing up as my entire self, culturally speaking. Um, this is my culture. And when I'm and we're when we're annoyed, even if we can speak the Queen's English, Commonwealth, um, <laughs> even if we can, we still will dive into our dialects and our accents. And that goes for anybody who is has a separate culture. So there's three different languages we're speaking. Um, 
in any corporate space. And if you are a person of color, you 100% understand and can relate to that. But I would just, I would just really encourage anyone and for you as well, Amanda, if you've got people with opposing and different, differing opinions about who you need to be, no, you are you. And you're already walking a line in trying to figure out who that is and how you present yourself to the world and how you feel comfortable doing that. Um, so then to have people at work be like, oh, you're not speaking up enough or then someone else being like, oh, you're being too, well, I'm gonna be that. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna be that. When I need to speak up, I'm going to speak up and it's going to come out in the best way that I know how for how for it to come out. If you perceive that to be aggressive, aggressive or with aggression, then and I know within myself that that is not actually what's happening, I'm going to let I'm going to leave that in your lap. That is something you will need to carry. I'm not going to take that on because I know that is not the intention and it is not um it is, it's, it's not what's actually happening. You might perceive it to be that, but that's your perception. And if that's your reality, cool, but I don't have to wear any hat anyone tries to place on my head. Yeah, no, that was really good, Nicole. And I think that it's really important to also understand that while I fully agree, it's not for me to take on, you know, someone's perception and how, oh, they think, you know, she, you know, we think she's one thing, someone else thinks that I'm another, but we need to start having these conversations so for awareness. Yeah, because there is, we, we've talked about before, like there is this unconscious bias and maybe I don't, I'm not here to place blame on anyone. I am solely here to make folks aware to share my story and make it so that, hey, you, you've you heard this story, you've heard multiple stories, and let's just before we say something, because sometimes we just blurt things out, sometimes we think we're being funny, sometimes we, um, there's a multitude of reasons, but just be aware of how that might impact someone else and how how we don't know each other's backgrounds and just right. humanize it. Just let's let's humanize it more. And so, Nicole, I wanted to to bring in a few statistics into this conversation. And this is a great segue into that. And this isn't to minimize any other profession. This is solely to give the numbers for uh, the proposal profession. And this is from uh, Lupia, which I'm going to, Catherine, feel free to jump in. And it's very simplistic description. It's an RFP response platform, and they released their annual research report. And this report surveys individuals around the world, not just in the United States, it's around the world. And they survey individuals who are involved in responding to RFPs. Mm -hmm. And so a couple of stats that really stood out to me were that three quarters of proposal teams surveyed are white. That's 74% of individuals in this profession are white. And of that, 64% are female, right? And so let's just bring that back a little bit. 74% of proposal professionals are white. 5%, 5% are black, 
right? And so bringing that all together from my previous, when I started this about the intersectionality of, you know, being a woman and being a black woman, right? And, and intersectionality, I know is, it's a, um, it's a uh, hot topic. It's a, a, a little feisty word right now. Uh, people are associating intersectionality with terms such as CRT, uh, which is critical race theory. Um, and, and I'm describing intersectionality just solely on the grounds of, you know, hey, this is how this profession, what I do impacts me as a woman. And as a black woman, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not here to pit any genders or um, races against each other. I'm solely just describing it uh, as me being a black woman in the the proposal profession and how I have dealt with these microaggressions, as we've just discussed at work, with individuals putting me into this box that doesn't actually represent who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that really equates to a, uh, there's a misunderstanding of what it is that individuals do in this profession. Yeah. Uh, and as the stats speak for themselves, 64% identify as, as female. And so you've got this profession that there's never really been an understanding of what it is because it changes depending on the company that you're at. And so um, I'm going to probably ruffle some feathers by saying this, but it's like, okay, well, we've got this, this proposal professional. I'm going to view them uh, more in an administrative capacity. And so when she comes into a meeting, she shouldn't be speaking up and, you know, leading the conversation. She needs to to fall into line and get in place and and just be there to take notes or listen. Mm. Um, And that's not my authentic self. That is right. not who I am. Um, and that's not the value that I bring to any company that I support, um, both when I worked in the corporate world and now as a consultant. Uh, and so, you know, just pointing that out is that we have to have this awareness and these understanding in this understanding of, you know, the impacts of being a woman, uh, not only a woman in in this profession, but also a black woman in this profession. Mm -hmm. That is actually fascinating to me. Um, I didn't realize, I got to go back and reread that report. Like, I don't think I I clearly didn't pay attention to some of these stats because that's fascinating. I knew that the number was really high for women versus men or female versus male within the space. Um, But the the actual breakdown by race i'm like wow i five percent that's that's actually insane that's insane is there is there 
I know there are a lot of initiatives through organizations that are like APMP or SMPS that are thinking about how to build stronger pipelines to hire. And there's a lot of conversation around hiring folks into spaces that aren't safe, right? Like we can promote increased numbers of certain, you know, marginalized groups within our companies. But if we haven't developed a safe workplace for them to have positive experiences or to not experience microaggressions or to not have that tone policing, like what Nicole described, then then I think that's where we see a lot of the cycling, the cycling happening, happening, right? So is there, like, are there conversations about how we get better perspectives, like wider perspectives into our industry? Or like, what are what's, what are all, all, all of our thoughts on that? I would say that we can create all of the DEI programs in the world. We can set all of the metrics that we want. But at the end of the day, I go back to we need to humanize. We need to humanize it. Uh, we need to have these conversations. We need to listen. We need to actively listen to each other's stories. Um, we need to be aware in how we say things and just understand that we all uh, come from different walks of life, have different upbringings, and don't, um, don't just put people into a box. We just have to, we have to be more open. I think one of the most interesting things, um, well, I'm just a, I'm just a wall of contradictions. Like, I, I mean, wall to wall <laughs> contradictions. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like I'll, you know, I'm nails suited, booted, like I'm a hundred percent doll fashionista, but will literally walk away from any conversation about fashion to talk about hobbits and the lord of the rings yes i will yes i will you i probably like elves way more than i like people it's real um <laughs> but i and i find that as soon as i start having conversations about things that people don't expect it does completely broaden their whole scope of their experience with me it really pivots and changes their experience and so I think that also, too, we, we've we got to stop just assuming that we know what someone's going to be like or what they're going to be interested in. Like, they might, like, you know, they might be totally interested in things that you think they are, but then they might also be completely interested in things that they're not, that you would have never guessed for that. And um, I think it's time for people to start to understand that any cultural representation, Black specifically in this context, is not a monolith. All We're not all the same in one way, like in, in every in every way. Like um, I know being a, having a Caribbean experience of from life is very different than having a Black American experience from life, um, culturally speaking. And so there are, and there, then there's things that are just certainly universal that we all kind of just like, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. And I've, I've actually had that experience because I've traveled abroad and, you know, to spaces and countries that are not typically, um, or have, don't have as high, high, uh, um, a black, um, population in their country. And so you see other black people and it's an immediate kind of like, oh my gosh, someone who looks like me, um, experience and it's immediate and it doesn't matter where they're from <laughs> in the world you find yourself in the same place you have an immediate kind of connection 
Um, we just need to open up and realize that, you know, experience people for the person who is presented in front of you and listen to the person as they're presented in front of you. Um, Nora is amazing at this. Um, oh, so she's on that side of me. No, why are we doing this? She's on this, no, she's on this side. Oh my gosh, she's on this side. <laughs> Sorry, for you guys who can't see us, that was really weird, but I was pointing at her screen. Nora's really great at that, so is KB. Um, just advocating for stepping in. Even people, if you notice that someone is being treated poorly or differently, um, we're in a time and a place where now you can, it's, there's too much information for you to be bury your head in the sand and say you didn't know. Um, you, there is, there are, there, I'm sure there are lots of opportunities for other people because fighting your own fight, constantly fight. Uh, let me tell you, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. You will find yourself at a place where like, it's just like, I, I cannot even do this. So understand that everyone is struggling with something. Um, and the, you know, the fact that you have other women maybe on your team, especially if you're in a sales operations, sales support, revenue operation, sales enablement, chances are you're going to have other women on your team. They, um, you know, who look like you or don't look like you, but pay attention. Pause for a second. Think about like, how did so-and-so communicate with that person versus how they communicate with you? What are the opportunities you're getting and you're being offered versus what opportunities so-and-so is getting or, or being offered, you know? Um, finding yourself in the right place is, is a part of the battle, but you, we can create those places as well. Because like I said, it's too, there's too much information out there now for you to say that you don't know, for you not to know or to do the research to understand what a microaggression is, for you to take a moment to look at your own internal biases and see if you've been perpetuating those things um, against anyone within your organization who doesn't necessarily look like you. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Thank you, Nicole. And I just wanna um, close out by saying, for me to say that we all have an unconscious bias. We may have multiple. Um, and just to introspectively look inward and think, okay, like this is how I could potentially um, handle a conversation differently or treat someone differently and practice that growth mindset, mm -hmm. right? Just practice that growth mindset. This has been such a rich conversation. And and Nora, I know we haven't really kicked much over to you, but I, I would like to, I would like to kind of tidy up here. Um, what something that Nicole said kind of kind of piqued my attention there about the fact that those of us who have been socialized as women um, probably have a little bit more of a proclivity to paying attention to what's going on around us, right? Like because of like the more marginalizations, the more the more intersectionalities we have, the more we're paying attention to what's going on around us to keep ourselves safe and also to keep other people safe, right? And mm -hmm. so, so I'm curious, I'm curious, Nora, have there been situations in which you've been paying attention that you've seen things happen um, and you've responded to them in the workplace, you know, as gender race con constructs right like all these different domains have you had success when you've been paying attention and had a had a positive response absolutely and you know i really wanted to step back because this is this is not about me right um but i tried to be 
somebody and I, and the problem is I, I can't keep my mouth shut sometimes when I see those types of things happen. So, um, you know, that's me that's bringing my authentic mean. self to work. It hasn't always been well received. Um, but, you know, specifically regarding women, I can tell you one big example that I had a couple of years ago is um, just even talking about age bias, right? Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of that in the workplace. You know, we as women, when we hit a certain age, it's like you're out to pasture, right? So there was a brilliant woman I worked with um, in her 50s, uh, had done her job for over 20 years, was amazing. Um, and one of her colleagues came to her and asked her, hey, do you know anything about this? And she goes, yeah. And then he essentially basically said, well, what do you know? Like, prove it, right? And I was standing there. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go back to my desk. So I just like walked over to my cube and he goes, what, what? And he goes, but did I say something wrong? And I said, you just looked at somebody with 20 years of experience, asked her a question if she knew about something and then told her to prove it to you. Would you have done that if she was a man? And he just was like, Ugh! you know, because he was in his 50s, too. And so then after that, every all day, he was coming by my cube like, oh, you know, um, basically was trying to make jokes about it and trying to reconnect with me. But I just I couldn't. I saw it. It happened right in front of my face and I couldn't shut my mouth that, you know, and, and I would do that for anybody, you know, for for anything that I saw. But those things absolutely happen. They happen all the time. And people often, uh, you know, they are they're folks who are in a privileged class, right, will we'll, we'll say those things and they don't either think about how it's affecting the other person. And I feel like it's my responsibility as somebody who is in that privileged class to point it out when I see it to let other people know, like, that's not okay to say in front of me as well, because I think that there is this certain comfortability, I think, when, when people who don't look like you aren't in the room of folks to say to one another. Yep. And I make it very clear immediately, like, I'm not that person. Um, this is not a safe space to say those things. I don't believe in those things. That doesn't align with my morals, ethics, and values. And I feel strongly that I just have to, to stick to that because I have friends of all walks of life who look like all different things who you know assume all different pronouns and things and and to me it's more a matter of manners and being polite and treating people the way that they want to be treated and that doesn't go out the window when those people aren't around like you need to respect the people that i care about when it's just us one-on-one -on -one. so mm -hmm. um you know that's how i just try to do it and that's you know my one example but you know i think it's a pretty strong example especially just how we as women face those kind of things in the workplace well, Nora with a mic drop. All right. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. That's what I said. What I had said. <laughs> because, like, no, and it's yeah. it's real. You, I mean, let me tell you something. I'm I don't know that woman, but you did something for her in that moment that she won't ever forget. Those mm. kinds of those acts of showing up for. Uh, sorry to kill the vibe. I'm going to tell a story real quick. So this past weekend, I said goodbye to a friend. Um, oh, God, I'm going to try to do this and not cry. <sighs> Maybe I don't tell the story. It's okay. If, if we decide don't, to edit this No out, pressure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who passed away suddenly. And I've known for like decades. 
Mm-hmm. And when he was 13, there was a woman, they were, he was, she was a girl at the time who um, had just like moved from Quebec to Ontario. And if you know anything about Canada, Quebec is a French speaking province. She didn't really have a good command of English and they were making fun. She was being made fun of. She was being bullied. And her now husband happened to be the pastor presiding over his funeral and told the story about how when he was 13, he stood up for her and defended her in that moment. And that was only one story of defense that like someone standing up for someone who had been just not, just kind of mistreated a little bit. And for him and his wife to remember some 30 years later that this is something that he had done for her, that was kind of like one of the repetitive stories that kept coming up in the last two weeks since he passed away. And so it just, just say, I just say that to remind everyone, like, when you step up for a person, you recognize their humanity in a moment where they, they don't feel sure of themselves or um, they're feeling uncomfortable or set upon in any kind of way, you change that person's life, period. It's something they will never, ever, ever, ever forget. And I just encourage people to pay attention because for someone who sits on the outside looking the way that I look, I'm like, you know, dark skinned black woman, 5'11", and I love some heels. I'm a roll into my three and four inch heels and my big personality. It might be, if you don't address your unconscious bias, that might be off-putting. You might be unsettled immediately uh, in my presence. But what I would want to say is pay attention to then how everyone else is responding to that person, myself included. Pay attention because I tell you, you develop a level and a layer of fortitude that is almost unnecessary. Most other people don't necessarily have to develop this. Um, And it's something that we don't ever shed. And so it's like, you're often the strong, silent one, the strong, I hate that word, by the way, I don't even like to be described as strong anymore. um, Because resilient or resilient. Yeah. Like it just means that I survived a bunch of crap that I don't, I didn't even actually need to be put through in the first place. Like, like that's all that it really means. And it, and chances are, it means that I did it alone. And we spend a lot of time, you know, alone. Uh, and really kind of like lifting other people up and everyone thinks that you're good and you're not good. Um, so I would just encourage people, as we've said, like what the example that Nora gave, the example of my friend who passed on, you know, stand up for people, pay attention to what's happening around you. Cause I guarantee you, you don't really know what's, what that person is going through. And if they don't look like you, they don't present like you, they're going through something. Without question, it's not even, it's undeniable. If they don't look like you, they're going through something. Sorry, I didn't want to bring it down. And I'm, I'm so sorry, guys, but like- What are you, what are you sorry I, for? Don't this be is sorry. Amazing. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I think that this is a really tough topic. It's it's one that we could have shied away from and and not talked about and kept it just, you know, strictly to proposals and tips and tricks and things like that. But I think 
it's so important to have these conversations because at the end of the day, I think regardless of whether, you know, you're having a struggle that you think is unique to you, there are going to be people who at least identify in some way with that struggle, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's important to realize and keep remembering that we're all more similar than we are different, in my opinion, yes. at the end of the day, regardless of what we look like or, you know, what we've, what we've been through, everybody has struggles. So, you know, I think recognizing it and talking about it and having that open conversation is, is just a really important thing to do. And I'm really grateful to Amanda to, that she joined us today. And, yeah. you know, I could just sit back and listen and, and try to, you know, hear what you're saying and take it in and, and possibly fold that in and use it moving forward to help other people around me. That's what I'm going to take away from it. 100%. 100%. I also would really like to advocate and say, you know, advocate for proposal people. There's no, no shade to administrators. There's a lot of things that we're not, but that's just not that's not just the primary function. And so if we can start to really change, and this is one of the reasons we do this podcast, we mm -hmm. really want to chart, start to change the perception of people who operate in this space. We generate revenue for your organization, period. <laughs> and we do Absolutely. it from a technical selling perspective. Very similar to what a solutions person would do or a subject matter expert who has all of the technical details on a product or service offering. Um, so it's far more insight available to you if you stop, stop associating proposal people as one level or level one or junior or not understanding a business or, uh, or sales or any of the things that we functions or spaces that we operate within. We operate within all of it and we do it cross-functionally. And the people who do it at the highest level and are turning around um, some, in some cases, billion, you heard me, billion dollar bids. Let's start to change that perspective. That, let's start to change that perspective of, of people who operate in this space so that we can also start to change how people are being treated, whether our, whether, they're a white female or a black female, so that we start to change how people um, of other colors, um, our races, identifications are operating in this in this space. If we can start to shift perceptions, we can start to shift all perceptions, and all the axes will start to shift and change. Great, great thoughts. We are reaching the end of our time together. So Amanda, I would love if you could give us just like a 30 second summary of what you'd like for us to take away today, and then we will do our closing uh, activities. You know, it's really hard to just put this into 30 seconds because we all shared really great perspectives and, and, and going back to humanizing and treating everyone as humans, and then also speaking up for individuals as well. So I, I, that's the best I can do with trying to make it short and sweet, um, because there's a lot to it. We're all in the dumpster fire together and liberation for all of us or liberation for none of us, in my opinion, right? We all got to go together. Um, excellent. Amanda, this is, thank you so much for bringing such a delightful topic to us today and something that is, yes, a little uncomfortable for us all to dive into and discomfort's good for us because we live in a dumpster fire. Okay, so we're all- gonna, we're, always on, we're always uncomfortable. We're all <laughs> going to be just fine, okay? So, so Amanda, 
Amanda, tell us where we can find you again online. I know that you're on LinkedIn, but if we're wanting to enlist your services, where do we go for that? Yeah, I would say the best way to get in contact with me is sending a DM through LinkedIn. Um, I probably check LinkedIn more than I should. So uh, contact me there if you are looking to get in touch with me about whether it's a proposal support for your company, a training opportunity or a speaking opportunity. Wonderful. And Amanda has great tidbits that we have been sharing. I believe we shared a couple of your posts through yep. Proposal Industry Experts. You have these amazing slide decks that just knock out a couple key topics. And I'll tell you what, I've learned so much from Amanda in just a couple weeks of, of really intentionally following your content. So if you are interested in learning more about the, the No Really Everything's Fine dumpster fire, you can listen to our proposal on any platform or proposal. Or let's try that again. <laughs> if you're interested in in learning more about the dumpster fire, you can listen to our podcast on any location where podcasts are found, including Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean, and a variety of other locations on iTunes. So join us there. Stick with us in the dumpster fire. Don't get eaten by the closet monster uh, where we're hiding right now. And we'll see you again for the next session.